Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to this is Civity Radio Show. I'm Gina Valeria. Civity helps people and communities build a culture of respect and empathy across difference. And our interviews explore how people across the country and the world are doing this in their communities. Today, we welcome Kim Roth Howe, founding principal of Co-Creative Labs, which designs and facilitates processes to help diverse groups build shared understanding, develop strategy, and design action. Kim also has a TEDx talk called Searching for Purple in a Red-Blue Time, and she has committed herself to pulling people together in her community to discuss issues across difference. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. So first, given that you've jumped right into doing you know, what we consider civity-oriented work of trying to bring people together, can you talk about some of the work you're doing uh, in this area with your communities? Sure. Um, well, my day job is as a professional facilitator. So a lot of the work that I do um, is bringing together lots of different kinds of groups from um, big community coalitions to groups of neighbors around issues that are important to them and helping them to um, come to agreement on kind of what their vision is, how they want to accomplish stuff, that sort of thing. Um, so most of my work, however, is really outcomes oriented. So I do a lot of work about like we're going to develop a plan together. We're going to come to a decision, that kind of thing. Not a lot of work around um, just general dialogue or building that kind of space. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I have been doing, this kind of other evening adventure that I've been taking on recently, um, is definitely a little bit out of my wheelhouse, and it's kind of exciting. Um, I was really prompted by the election in 2016 and um, was a response to just some breakdown that I was finding in my own relationships in the community. Um, I can talk a little bit more about that if you like, but basically um, I invited about 1,200 of my neighbors to start coming over for dinner to <laughs> specifically talk about our political perspectives. 1,200? Really kind of, well, yeah, it was uh, on the kind of the neighborhood community boards and it was everywhere I could get a hold of anybody. It was an open invitation to anyone who saw it. So, <laughs> so I didn't have a full 1,200 response. There were a few brave souls who were willing to take up the invitation. We had about 40, pe- 40 people respond. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was just a open invitation to like let's come and talk about this and let's talk about what we really believe and what we really think and um it kind of was prompted because i i do a lot in the neighborhood i'm super connected and involved and you know do a lot of like mobilizing neighbors for like you know let's renovate the park and let's have a block party and so forth and i i uh do like door-to-door pie deliveries in the fall and so i know a lot of people um yeah like you know neighbor stuff um, but the uh, after the election, somebody that I, I thought that I had a pretty good relationship with, um, we just had kind of an explosive interaction, and it made me realize, you know, this whole thing that we have is kind of predicated on this idea of don't ask, don't tell. Like, don't we? we there's certain things we don't want to know about each other, and one of those things is where our political alignment is. And I just felt like that was a really fake way to build community if we just kind of pretended that these really important elements of ourselves didn't exist um since politics is a lot more than politics (laughs) so yeah so that was the prompt for doing this i 
But like, if we're going to actually make this community happen, we, we better know each other for real. So, well, that, that's yeah. a really interesting insight in that we we're true. We're treating in society politics almost as a, yeah, like like it, it is it is interesting because politics actually makes up how we run our communities, how we make decisions, roads, uh, schools. It's it's something that it's really meaningful and operational for society, and yet we we have as a society started to treat it as oh wow I'm going to judge you this way based on some of these decisions, so I just don't want to know. Um, uh-huh. when you, when you, or maybe you had realized that earlier, but when that really came home to roost for you with this neighbor, can you talk a little bit about the interaction and what your relationship was like leading up to the interaction? Sure. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that we were like, super close, but we had interacted a number of times at events and activities and, you know, we shopped at each other's garage sales and we had a pretty friendly kind of cordial relationship and we would make jokes together and so forth every time that I ran into her Um, and after the election I think that you know there were a lot of feelings from a lot of folks about um, uh, what had transpired Um, some were really excited and felt really hopeful and for uh, many people that is not the way they felt (laughs) and so I shared some of my feelings about things and um, and her response was uh, really unexpected and it it uh, she basically posted a bunch of things kind of accusing me of believing things and saying things and being things that just weren't true and um, kind of jumping in in some really destructive ways to relationships, other relationships and conversations I was having there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I when I saw what she, and this was all happening on Facebook, which yeah. in general, I'm not a Facebook person anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, to, yeah, when I saw what she posted, I actually, I had this, super visceral response I physically stood up from my computer and like ran out the front door of my house and stood in the middle of the street in front of my house wow (laughs) because I felt it felt the same way that I thought that like if someone had thrown like a rock through my window like that's kind of what it felt like and I expected to see her like running down the street like (laughs) I don't don't know where this is coming from it, it just felt super, super visceral. And so I found myself just like standing like an idiot in the middle of the street going, what the freak is happening right now? Wow. And that was, it was, and honestly, like what happened then was that I ran down the street to the house of another friend who um, also has a very different political perspective than mine, just because I knew this guy a lot better. And I felt like, you know, I, I almost felt like I wanted to find somebody on the other side that I felt like I can still kind of connect as a human person with them. And, um, and unfortunately I, he, he wasn't home, but I, I thought that was an interesting kind of gut response. All of this felt super like just animal instinct. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I need to talk to another person who believes the same things that this woman does and almost have them say like, it's okay. We're still in this together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So that's, that was kind of the th- experience so he wasn't there and I came home and I immediately concocted this idea and was like we we have to do this differently oh my god you know honestly your response there's so much there which is incredible to be quite honest but your response I think is really beautiful because it's like it, it it's well, for me, I, I would say, you know, it feels like the fabric of society is somewhat crumbling. In so, and I know that's hyperbolic. I don't necessarily mean it that way. But when you start to see these things, it's like, you're actually in my community. We work together to build the neighborhood community we have. And all of a sudden, this is happening in this digital space, which is very real. 
And I think it's illustrated that that's so real by the fact that you had such a visceral reaction and went out into the street. You know, <laughs> I, I actually think that's incredible because it, 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 you were running away from it and towards it. And, and your first response after that was to go find a connection with someone in her, in quote, her world because you didn't want to see things fall apart because you wanted to try to heal it in some way. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that you felt that you couldn't necessarily go to her first. Um, yeah. Although I actually did reach out to her immediately afterwards um, in a couple different ways. I went to her house. I took a bottle of wine over, um, couldn't get a hold of her there. Um, and I left her some notes and I followed up a number of times since then. Um, yeah, and I was able to reopen the communication line with her a bit, um, but it was interesting. She was she was never willing to come to any of the dinners, wow. and um, she we I felt like um, yeah, this gets into some of the complexity of actually trying to have these conversations. Right, yes. Things I, I learned along the way, um, but it was. Um, uh, it was easier for me to step into her world and create that kind of place of safety for her than it was for her to be willing to offer the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, so I, I would say at this point, like, I, I feel like that relationship has been um, brought back to a point of kind of the, a lot of the, the deeper, I don't know, I don't even know how to say it, but like the, the kind of like gut stab <laughs> feels like it has passed. But I, I don't think that she, what's interesting in that is that I don't think she feels safe with me mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the other way around. I think that it's, I mean, I, I'm, I would have to make a lot of assumptions about what, what she's feeling, but I, I think there was a little bit of a sense of having like been made vulnerable or exposed in a way that feels um, uncomfortable for her to then kind of come back in a different state. Got that it. makes sense. Do you think made vulnerable because she shared her thoughts or made vulnerable because she discovered where you stood? I think it was more um, that when I reached out to her, um, what's interesting is like in all the places where I said, you know, I'd like to hear more about kind of what the experience is that makes these issues important to you. And this is all, these were all the techniques I kind of figured out <laughs> along the way, but, yeah. you know, connecting to people's like real story and experience and tell me about the time in your life when you realized this was important to you and tell me about a person that's connected to this issue for you and that kind of thing. So as I was able to ask her those questions, like she really softened and opened up and, you know, so forth. And then I asked permission to say, you know, I wonder if I could share a little bit about the way that that interaction impacted me. Cause I'd really like to, I'd really like to rebuild and maybe explore how we could talk about both of the things that we feel in a more productive way. And it was radio silence after that. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that's, I think I do want to get into the nuts and bolts of what you did, but I, but I, I want to stay here for a bit. I think that's a challenge. Obviously people are feeling across the country, um, I, I know in my case, and I can't, I can't divorce myself. I'm sure I've done this too. But in the conversations I have with people who think differently from me politically, there is this, well, you said this, so this must mean you think this, 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 and this. And it's like, okay, no. Uh-huh. And when I, when I've tried to break it down, it's, there's a, there's a very big resistance to that. It's like, no, no, this is the picture. You must fit it now. And it's like, no, no, wait, let's. Um, let's break this down. And of course, there are so many people willing to have conversations, thankfully. 
Um, uh-huh. but there, but there is this nugget and, it, and it's people we love or care about or work with in the community or live next door to. So you can't necessarily just write them off. Um, uh-huh. but yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to say anything about that, but I've, I've noticed that as well, that there's that, uh, in some cases there, it, it does seem to be, as you say, going into their space just to reach them and having it be um, a great amount of energy and effort. Worth it for me in a lot of ways, but definitely uh-huh. a lot of effort. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I did a speech about this a while ago, and I think that was one of the key takeaways is that, like, you may you may not find reciprocity as you attempt to have these conversations. <laughs> you <laughs> Like, stepping into that space does not mean that, you know, and even if you do everything exactly right and you, like, come with the, you know, most open heart and most gracious perspective and all the right questions, like, it's, it's still really complicated mm-hmm. and um, you still may not find any kind of mutuality and, and, and it's still worth it. <laughs> and it's still worth <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's worth it for yourself in, like, building up the resiliency and the skills and, like, the thick skin to be able to do it well and all that it takes to, to continue to continue having the conversations. It's just, like, a, um, you're building a muscle, so it's, it's good for you in that. But also I think it um, you're creating, I don't know, I guess, it's, like, it's something I'm thinking about even right now. It's like, well, why keep doing it if you're mm-hmm. not going to have if you're not going to have reciprocity, um, I think just because we have to create the kind of culture that we want to live in, we have to be, you know, that like dumb, uh, not no, dumb. no, Gandhi, Gandhi was a smart guy, but like, you know, you have to be the change that you want to be, that you want to see in the world. And so like, that's, uh, it's totally what it is. Like you just, you have to keep creating that environment, even if not everyone will step into it. It's almost setting expectations. Like we live in a community. This is what community looks like. I'm going to keep being that community for other people, whether or not they step into it with me. Um, cause I think otherwise we just give up hope and then we lose, we lose. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm exactly there with you. It's funny. My husband and I have this conversation about a particular Facebook friend of mine, and he's the relative of a childhood friend. And my husband's always like, why do you spend your time on him? Why? Why do you? And, and, he, and I'm like, I think, it, one, it's worth it. Just exactly what you said. One, it's worth it to try, you know, because I, he, uh-huh. I do care about him. I've known him my whole life. Two, um, it's modeling for face on Facebook for me, you know, it's modeling in this digital space, how I think we should be conversing with each other and how these arguments look when they're played out or discussions, how they look when they're played out. And Uh it's not just, it's not just me and him. There are other people reading it. There are other people watching. There are other people who think various things. And I do, I exactly, as you say, I think it's important to model what you'd like to see. And Uh some people get on board. Some people won't. And I feel like I've, I've, figured out at this point some kind of a go-to like pocket of or toolkit of things that that I think are pretty important elements of having these conversations be productive and and I can do them on Facebook as well like or bring you know offer them start them into the conversation and I've had some really good Facebook interactions in fact which I think Facebook is a lot harder than person yeah (laughs) Um, oh yeah (laughs) but they I mean, you've got like so, so much nuance that's missing there. And then you've got random interlopers who come in and <laughs> yes. um, you're like building to a really great conversation and somebody comes in and drops a troll bomb. But the, the, I've had some pretty 
great conversations where people have been like, I'm, I'm actually surprised with how this went. I thought you would have been something different. And, um, but for the most part, I have gotten into a 100% offline thing. So like if stuff gets happens on Facebook, which like I said, I just try not even to wade into those waters at this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I do, I actually have had a couple of really good interactions that came from like somebody posts on Facebook and my immediate response is, Hey, I know you're in Omaha. Let's meet up for coffee. And so oh, that's, that's been an approach that I actually like a lot better because it, it gets to, put real people onto all of the Facebook comments. <laughs> oh, oh, that is great. Are you ever, are these people you already know or people that you don't necessarily no. know? No, oh. I'm not, I'm, I don't know. If, I, I'm, I always wonder when I'm talking about this endeavor, um, how much I should help my own political perspectives. I'm pretty sure it's clear at this point, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I, I try to stay kind of neutral when I'm, when I'm sharing with, with bigger groups, just because it's, I think yeah. it's good for people to be able to find themselves in the conversation. Um, but the, one of the people that I talked, that I took offline was the kind of head of one of the turning point organizations here in Omaha, which is a, um, very conservative kind of, uh, college organizing group, okay. um, that's closely aligned with the current administration. And so, um, yeah, so that was somebody who has responded to some, some things there and I was like, I'd really like a chance to chat with you further about kind of what what drew you to care about the things that you do. And so, yeah, we met up and had like a three-hour conversation. It was great. Oh, that's great. And was this person reciprocal to you, a, a, like a, a willing and wanting to hear your perspective and where you come from? Um, somewhat. I think <laughs> a similar situation. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, everybody – folks tend to be a lot more eager to be heard than to hear, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's all of us. That's 100% me too. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't going in with the, with that intention, I think that's probably where I would be. Yeah. Um, but I, she did do, I, I think that, um, yeah, I think the face-to-face made a big difference in being able to do that more effectively. So we did. And my we talked about my history because my, my family history and background is one that I think is, it's both really typical and really unique, and so I think it's it's one that people find, can find themselves in in a lot of ways. And so I I think it's a good starting point. So that was we we did talk a little bit about how some of my changes in perspective happened over time from where I started. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, when you tell people, look, they may not want to hear what you have to say, and it may not work, but it's worth it anyway. What sort of response do you get uh, when, when, because I think a lot of people might come to, people who want to fix this or who have, uh, I think everybody wants to fix it, but I think people who come to your dinner, say the 40 out of the 1200, uh-huh. you know, those uh-huh. people, I wonder if we or they have like, okay, we're going to fix this. We're going to hear each other. And, and then being told, well, it might not, might not go that way. What sort of response yeah. do you, what sort of response do you get? So, uh, like, what sort of response do I get when I kind of <laughs> preach this message of just give it a shot? Yeah, just give it a shot, and it might not work, but that's cool. It's worth it anyway. Like, what? What? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that um, I think that most folks are find that message to resonate. I think that people want to hope, like that they want to <laughs> hope that something is possible and different. And I think that people are longing for. Um, connectedness and I think that um, that folks you know that everybody recognizes that things are not as the way that they ought to be at this moment Mm -hmm. and so um, I think that 
folks are eager for that. I think, honestly, the challenge or resistance that people find more is their own sense of fear about themselves mm -hmm. in that. So there's a sense that, well, I don't have the tools to know how to do that effectively, and so I'm going to mess it up, and it's going to become a disaster. Um, or, you know, I know I won't be able to control myself, and so I'm just not going to get into it. Or mm -hmm. I know that they'll never change, and so why even bother trying? Um, so I think it's more like I don't feel equipped to do this well, and there's no way that this can end up working. <laughs> that makes so sense. So that's, that's more the response I think I find rather than yeah. anything. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think framing it always helps people. You know, if, if I'm going into it with an understanding that it might not go the way I think rather than a bright-eyed innocent, like, we're going to fix it, then I, I'm going to have a, a more meaningful experience. Um, have you, uh, now I know you've connected with Palma at Civity and I'm wondering has, ha, has, and how has Civity informed your approach to this at all? Yeah. So, um, I am part of a group here that does, uh, training and support for, um, progressive leaders who are trying, young progressive leaders who are trying to create change in the community. And, um, Palma came and spoke to that group and did some training for that group a few years ago. Um, and I remember sitting in that workshop and just being like everything in me was like, yes, 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 this is so good. <laughs> and I know one of the things that, you know, she had given folks um, some homework afterwards to go out and actually try to do this, um, find somebody with whom you disagree or like, or, or even somebody, you know, and you, and, and then dig for disagreement find those places where you maybe are different. And then, um, and uh, and then use some of the, the civity tools to dig down a little bit. And I just love that. And that became definitely part of my toolkit is starting by finding the place where you have that disagreement and then um, uh, digging a little bit further to find the stories behind it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was something I definitely connected with a lot. And I love doing the homework and um, have probably done the homework 100 times by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, as you said earlier, when you share your own story, which you, which it sounds like it helps people connect with you because one, they'll find familiarity in it, in it and two, they'll find, oh, wow, I really get you now. I get your perspective and why you think the way you think, which is the whole point. You talked about the coffee strategy. So I want to ask you one more question about the let's get coffee and let's get offline strategy. Have you ever felt unsafe uh, meeting someone you may not know? Um, no, I haven't. Um, as, as might be evidence from the running into the street situation, I have very low, very low flight reflexes, very high fight reflexes. So I'm generally a, a launch into the unknown sort of person, and I'm pretty comfortable with that. So that that hasn't been an issue for me. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's probably just personality more than anything. Else. <laughs> um, what are some other strategies you use uh, when you're dealing with a digital space? Uh, and having this conversation? Well, I mean, I'm probably not, I'm not the best uh, respondent for this because I'm definitely like a very prematurely old lady um, who does not use social media or online stuff for much of anything anymore. Um, I dip my toe in every once in a while and then quickly retreat to um, real life. Uh, yeah, so I don't have, I mean, it's not something that I'm regularly doing, but I think that the the same strategies I use offline are the same ones that I use online. If the stuff um, 
if wanting to wade into it, which is basically like, I mean, this is going to sound super basic, but it's basically like three things, which is try to connect to the, the story and the experience that has shaped that value for folks. So it's like, um, yeah, like I said before, kind of tell the story of a time when you found this to be, when you realize this is important to you or a person that's connected to this story for you and, um, you know, what are some of the, the life experiences that have built your feelings about this over time in your own life. Um, and one of the questions I really like to ask is kind of what is, this is the one I ask a lot at the dinners, is um, what, when you when you cast your vote, um, what were you hoping to see, what were you hoping that your vote could help create in the world that you don't see now? Ooh. What's the world that you want to bring to reality that you're not seeing at the moment? And And then you just kind of dig from there. But that was super profound to hear people's responses because what would often happen is, you know, you'd have uh, the dinners were structured to be, um, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. For a sure. Second, no, please. Yeah, dinners, this is great. The dinners were structured to be, um, really a cross section of the neighborhood. So I very carefully put everybody together when they responded that they were interested. I sent everybody a survey and I had them put out a profile of like, Tell me your political leanings. Tell me your, you know, elements of your identity that you think impact your political views and, you know, all this stuff. And then I very carefully mixed and matched to make sure that the tables were really balanced because that's something that I know there are there are lots of other great organizations around the country that are trying to do this kind of dinner dialogue mm -hmm. approach. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that you get um, the usual suspects a lot of times. Yeah. And so... Um, that was something I was really careful about. And honestly, as folks started responding, I when I realized, like, mm, I'm going to have an imbalance here in who's coming, mm -hmm. I reached out to specific individuals. I, I went and knocked on doors and was like, I know that you are on the other side of this conversation, and I really would like to have you come to the dinner. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, I had to go recruit people. And I'm like, you can bring a friend. You can bring your backup. <laughs> like, but you did, you really did uh, um, oversampling, which is a, 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 <laughs> an important strategy to make sure you get representation. <laughs> yes, I, I was <laughs> I think it's a really critical element of this being successful because otherwise you just have really good dinners with people who agree with you. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that so you know we had these groups that were super super different around the table, and you'd ask that question. And I remember like we had this one fellow who was he was a retired steel worker, um, very conservative. He was a really um, strong Trump supporter. And he had kind of started the conversation with talking about some of the concerns that he had about um, uh, some of our neighbors who are immigrants. And he, when I asked that question, he said, you know what, when it took me like asking like four or five times in different ways before he finally answered it. <laughs> but when he did finally answer it, what he said was, you know, I just want a community where where everybody takes care of each other and where mm. together we can like fix the broken places where families are falling apart. And like every single person at that table was like, yeah, we all want that. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it's just the question of like, well, okay, now we have some really different ideas about how to do that, but we recognize like, it's just such an amazing moment of seeing the other person and being like, Oh, your heart, it's my heart. Like we've got the same longings really at base. That's the most amazing Thing. And I think I, I hope and I know I've had those moments in my life, too, where, of course, we want the same thing. That person is not evil. They're a person with a family right. who lives in a community. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and um, but those moments are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that that's one of those strategies is just like, what is really the deeper longing that's behind this thing that you believe? Because otherwise, like, that was that's the beginning of the first thing I learned of doing the dinner at the very first dinner was like you just start you try to start the conversation and we are so practiced at our like talking points that we just kind of toss these things back and forth at each other and the conversation is happening in the two inches above your eyebrows and nowhere else <laughs> and like <laughs> it's just and it's just thin and it's boring because we've all heard people on television say these same things and so nobody's really talking so yeah. that that is what happens if you, it, that's the, the kind of habit we have to break or the crust we have to get through first. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. talking about those real deep longings, that's what like enables you to get really deep under the surface. And then from there, you can talk about other things. And so the, the next couple like pieces of it is to um, uh, like, first of all, like, kind of just surprise them with with being safe, because um, I think people anticipate that as soon as they expose that, that you're going to find a way to kind of poke a hole in them, not just in their idea, but in them. And so really um, focusing on setting aside your need to correct them or be right or, you know, be represented correctly and um, and just that kind of responding back. Like, I really hear, like, that's important to you, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. again, super simple. Um, and then the other... There's a couple of things. One is asking people to kind of find the gray area in their own thinking. So, like, have you ever found yourself, is there anything you actually, like, ideas from the other side you find yourself kind of playing with or thinking, like, there might be some merit in there? Or is there anything your own team thinks that you're like, eh, I'm not sure if I'm 100% on board or a place where you feel stuck in the middle a little bit? So that kind of letting people carve out their own gray space, I think is really important because I know I'm a very, I'm very much a person in the middle and I really resent being required to pledge allegiance to one team or another. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important to like let people define themselves as individuals because I think that gets us back to then not, I, I feel like the team mentality is one of the biggest dangers and so getting people back to just being individuals who can choose for themselves is really important. So a lot of that kind of stuff, letting people redefine, like, how do you want to be seen? You know, what what do you think are some things that the other team says about you that you um, that you feel maybe are true and maybe are untrue that you wish they understand? Oh, that's a great so question. Some, yeah. And then I think the other aspect of it, and this is the pushing back on when people don't want to reciprocate, is I... I found myself for the beginning getting really, or after a while of doing these and doing the, the um, especially one-on-one stuff, like the coffees, I found myself getting pretty angry mm-hmm. that I was putting out a lot of energy and and it wasn't getting reciprocated. Mm-hmm. And I found that to like defend against the anger, I had to be conscientious about making some space for myself in the conversation and doing that gently, but still doing it um, because as much as because it's important for both of us, like we need to kind of, we need to put all these puzzle pieces on the table. And so um, I think the, the mentality shift for me was from feeling like, well, when I talk, I have to be defensive and aggressive and I have to get my side in mm. and instead switching the mentality to like, you, you also need what I have. For, you also need my perspective and my perspective is a gift to you to share as well. And so I'm going to offer this thing to you uh, like with, with joy and with kindness because 
aren't you excited to get it? Wouldn't be good. Yeah, like isn't it awesome? We have different perspectives on this, and yeah. here's mine, and here's my story, and yeah. I'm sure you're delighted to hear it. <laughs> so that that was kind of the shift for me in in being able to bring myself and not feel like I was just biting my tongue to preserve the peace because I think that's where it gets super frustrating when it's not reciprocal and you feel like, well, I am making it really safe for you and then you're just being a jerk. <laughs> and so yeah. the, from, that was a huge shift for me is I have to, um, I, I'm going to make sure like, oh, okay, so thank you for sharing that. I'm, I, can I share my perspective too? And like <laughs> kind of make sure that that gets in there, even if they don't ask. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's a really, what you talk about, again, it, I you're not alone, as you well know. I think many, it may be happening on the conservative side, but I hear over and over again from people on the progressive side, hey, I'm trying to reach out here. I'm trying to make a connection. I want to hear from you. I want to understand you. And yet you are not doing the same back is, is, a, is a, a very common thing I hear. And and trying to crack that nut, figure it out, I think you've gone down the road in figuring out some of that is, is hey, I need a space in this conversation too, and I think we can offer something to each other. I mean, I think those are important elements. Now, of course, having the person you're sitting across, across from accept that and be open to that, I, you know, there are ways to do that, obviously. Um, but it is important, and, and I think that is that is a true issue that we that you and and civity and and others are trying to get at so that we can have these conversations be more productive and more connecting yeah that that kind of creating a reciprocal space i think that's where the question a lot of the question is for me right now is how to really do that effectively like you know maybe there's something about some even some I don't want to, it's hard to, to think about making these conversations too formal. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be like, here's the ground rules for this coffee date, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but there are some things, I think you can do that in an informal way, just like, I'm really excited to talk with you. And for me, what will really help make this a really good time is if we can maybe both go back and forth on some of the things that we think about. And so, you know, it's like, are, are you cool with that if we both share a little of our perspectives? Just kind of doing that with a, in a more informal way, I think. So that all of that long tangent was just to get to your original question of how do you do that in an online space? I think it's kind of the same processes. It's just um, I feel like in the online you can't talk with twelve people at once, mm-hmm. and and in a, it, and it's interesting because it's not like a dialogue among twelve people. It's like a ping pong game that you're playing with twelve people at one time. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so I think that if you can have a one-on-one conversation, like if you can take take a public post and turn it into a direct message Mm -hmm. and then build the dialogue that way. I think that has been really effective for me. And then basically using the same tools to talk there because the publicness of it makes people feel like they have to perform as well. So it's hard to be really honest. Like, and I I do that. Like, you know, I'm, I know that every nice thing I say to this other person, my friends are going to be like, how could you be such a traitor? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so like, that's something I think about is like, who's what? And, and I mean, not just for my own ego too, but I know like, you know, somebody could say, the person I'm talking with could say something really hurtful and hurtful to a person that I care deeply about. And by not calling that out immediately, like it validates that statement and can be doubly hurtful to the person I care about. And so, mm-hmm. so it's really hard to do that publicly because you're balancing, you know, you're solving yes. for so many observers at the same time. That's so, so true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like it's a fine place to 
almost like kick off a conversation, you know, post something controversial mm-hmm. and let people start responding and then just start start those 12 conversations as direct messages <laughs> that you can really dig deeper on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If this is where you feel like your service to the world needs to be done is on Facebook, then <laughs> I think that's the best way to do it. Oh, that's great. I guess, so part of my thought about Facebook in general is I just think so much of it is performance for performance for the people whose validation we want and so like there's a great temptation there to do that to perform and I don't feel like that's what connection is about so yeah yeah and I'm not not that that's for everybody I know that there are so many people that use that platform in really powerful ways and can build something really powerful out of it and have a voice that's important there. But I'm putting a lot of caveats on other people's stuff. I know that I have those voices in my head is the voice of who's watching me and am I performing the way I ought to be for them? And I really don't like having my interactions with other people filtered through that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd rather not do it at all. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. It's funny for me on Facebook, I've got uh, my students because I teach and I've got my, my I, I was journalist and so I've got that group and then all my friends from child, you know, you know, as everyone does various different constituencies. And, and so I do think it's important to do a lot of modeling on Facebook or publicly because I want my students to see that. And I want, mm-hmm. I want a journalistic tone of discussion to be happening as, as much as I can have it. But so for me, like spending that time is important, but you're absolutely right in that it's somewhat of a performance because I do have to think about, okay, I really want to say this, but I can say that to that person privately for this constituency. I've got to make sure I balance so that I'm pushing the conversation forward and modeling in this Mm -hmm. way, which I'm willing to do. But, um, but you're right. It's a very different beast. Um, yeah, I mean, and even as you're saying, like you're, you're, and I don't mean this to sound negative, no, but no, you no. are very much thinking about the audience. Like yes. you are communicating for the audience, not as direct, not not entirely or only for the person, but yeah. for yeah. who else is watching. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. Hard to balance. <laughs> it really, it really is. It's hard to balance. Yeah, and and it's funny. And so, like for a person like me, like yeah, I'm in. I'll do that, and I'll have the conversations. And for someone like you, it's very important to bring it down to the one-on-one level so that you can have that authenticity right away, and you're less concerned about your audience. Yeah. You were talking a little earlier about um, about the you know how formal or informal to make the conversation, and it's interesting because even though you want to keep the conversations informal, and they are, it sounds like they are. Um, there does have to be a little bit of guidance, which I know is what what Civity has found as well. Um, and I, I've, I've recently done some research. This is by no means a definitive finding. It was very exploratory research. But something I'd like to explore further is I had several groups of students engage with each other using uh, Civity protocols. And there was a group that did, or a, a, a group of two that didn't didn't use the guide and their conversation was really lackluster and and very and so that's by no one one group is by no means a finding but it was like huh what happened there did the guide matter that much did did that did that little bit of structure and you know and explicitly saying share story with each other uh, did that actually help make the conversations meaningful you know whereas without that they weren't and so I think it's an interesting question about you know how much structure to impose and making sure there's room you know which I know you've been grappling with as well well yeah I mean and I'm a true believer when it comes to some kind of structure Um, (laughs) but yeah because I mean just knowing for myself I I am not a super tactful person I am not a I'm a I'm an argumentative type very opinionated (laughs) and so 
without like prior to those to having some of those structures, I had no idea like just how to focus my communication or what I was even trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, And the structure, even personally having that in my head was so critical. Um, And of course, with a group, I think, you know, because we're kind of talking about two different kinds of conversations, right? There's like these group dialogue settings. And then there's just the one-on-ones that you have with your uncle at Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, So there's in the group dialogues, I think that that's, it's important to surface that structure. Like, these are the things we're going to agree on and, and why, um, and talk to that a little bit, and then using that structure to make sure that you're going somewhere so that you don't get into that, you know, top-of-head debate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with the groups, it's pretty critical, e- even while you say there's there's flex for sure. But mm-hmm. um, in the one-on-ones, I mean, that's where those things come up super organically. You're not often prepared for them. The other person certainly isn't, and you're not going to necessarily stop in and define that structure. So I think just individually having a toolkit, holding that structure in your head, having some of your own rules for yourself in your head, and asking when when those are kind of violated, saying, you know, this is something really important to me that I'm really trying to be mindful of doing for you, and it, it would really help me if we could both do that. So mm-hmm. that's where I feel like having the informal ground rules, having the informal structure, or having it in, internally and surfacing it as necessary is mm-hmm. useful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think structure is critical. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you had the 40 people over for dinner, I'm sorry, we've been focused on one-on-one and it's been so interesting. And I want to make sure we also talk about your group conversations. You, you, you brought the 40 people over. You're trying to make a difference. You, you, uh, oversampled for the, for the conservatives in your community to make sure they got some representation. And then you had brought people together. Tell me a little bit of what, about what that was like to bring people together. Um, and, and how that sort of evolved for you and for everyone in your community. Sure. Well, first of all, it wasn't 40 at once, obviously. It okay. was just, it was groups of like about six to eight at okay. a time okay. um, uh, to try to make it someplace, something where we could all get around the table and everybody have kind of face-to-face contact. Um, the, so the first sessions were a little bit, we, that was exploratory. So it was a lot of kind of trial and error and figuring out like, okay, this doesn't, this, this is where we seem to go off the rails a lot, or this is where people end up accidentally stabbing each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so finding ways to navigate around that. Um, let's see. I, I mean, just like, I was really thoughtful about how do we create a sense of connection and safety even before we start the conversation. So like they were potlucks and you were supposed to come with a dish that was like important to you or your family or had some kind of family history. And so that was the first thing, like, just talk about this food that you brought. So it gave everybody a little bit of storytelling nice. that was totally un- unloaded first. Um, so there was that. And then um, we did have some ground rules. So everybody had at their plate, like, these are some things that we think would help this conversation go well. And then we just spent about five minutes being like, you know, what on here sounds like a really good idea. Is there one you think will be harder for you that you might have to pay more attention to? Is there anything you want to add to this list? Um, and then, uh, and then we got into, let's see, what was it? Um, I think it was, we started with like, you know, what was one of the issues that drove you to the polls this year was one of the questions that we had. And it was just kind of a quick informational thing. And then we jumped into that more. Um, why was that so important? That's where we were later on. At the early ones, it was just a mess. The early conversations <laughs> were more, <laughs> were more just like, yeah, just kind of a free for all. And um, 
I would say for like the first hour, hour or so, it was a free for all until I kind of figured out the rhythm and pattern of what was happening and came up with some better questions. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that, but as we get, as we got going, it was, um, I, I had a clear sense of like, these are kind of, this is the flow of the conversation. We're going to try to answer these things and then we're going to move to these other levels. So it got better as we went along. What are some of the um, moments yeah. that you had? Uh, like, I, I would love to hear moments where you, um, I guess, decided this is worth it or moments from people sharing with you what their experience was like. Are, are there any sort of resonant moments you, you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, that, I told you that one of the, the kind of finding what it is that we all hold in common, that, yes. that longing for the future. Um, there was another situation where um, my husband was actually involved in this one. So he uh, he works as a physician at a um, federally qualified health center that serves mostly undocumented and uninsured folks. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily undocumented, but uninsured um, Spanish speakers. And um, so uh, one of the guys who was with us was talking about um, – some immigration concerns and, um, or I guess, no, actually it was Jeremy Hinnant, my husband had answered the question of, you know, what was it that drove you this year? And, um, and he was really talking about, um, how much the, the issue of immigration and the issue of the outsider experience is so important to him and talking about some of the people that he knows at work. And he was getting really emotional and kind of, um, yeah, tearing up. And, um, one of the guys at the table just, uh, was super dismissive about what he had said. And, um, you know, he, like, after he finished his piece, the other guy was like, well, you know, what you have to understand is, you know, and kind of jumped in with that wow. sort of an approach. And I could just, I saw Jeremy just, like, totally shut down, and he was just, like, blocked up at that moment, you know. And so we kept, um, so uh, during the dinners, I don't really participate. I'm very much in facilitator role. So, mm-hmm. you know, asking a lot more questions and so forth. And so I pushed the other guy. I was like, you know, before you, you offer an alternate perspective, could you maybe um, just reflect back what you heard him say? Like, just repeat back what you heard him say. And he tried a couple times and was not doing a very great job of it. Wow. <laughs> and it... But it kept just being like, like oh, we're going to try it again. Like, try, see if you can really connect with what it was. What can you hear matters to him in, this, in what he's saying. And after that, I got a chance to do a little bit more of that later. And then he kind of he kind of quieted down for a bit. But when we, at the end of the meeting, um, I have everybody go around and do a thing where they talk about, um, we call it ro- rose and thorn and rain. So it's like what a rose is like something really sweet, something you really appreciated from this conversation. A thorn is like something that for you is really uncomfortable or challenging. Um, and a rain is uh, just kind of a word of appreciation that you want to give to a, a person in particular, I think, yeah. uh, something you'd like to thank them for. And so this guy, came, when it came to his turn, he um, kind of looked down for a minute and oh. he like took a big breath and he just said like, I just want to say how much I appreciate you really sharing your, what you really felt about that. And it made me think about things in a really different way. And, and I'm really grateful for that. And this is the guy who had just listed before. So like, that was another like moment just of feeling like, Oh wow. Something like, I don't think your opinion's actually going to change per se, but like (laughs) just that, like the softness that you actually did here (laughs) and you actually did connect for a minute. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. And then, and also doing the work, people sometimes feel dismissed. 
And uh-huh. I think instead of dismissing him outright so that he felt like he had to yell or had to push, sitting down and being uh-huh. like, OK, I want to hear your perspective. But can, can you reflect back what you heard is I don't uh-huh. I bet no, I, I have no idea. But for a lot of people, I don't think anyone's ever taken the time to do that with them. And uh-huh. and I think that was also a very profound thing that you did um, to help to help drive a connection. Uh, so that's that's amazing. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, honestly, I feel like this that I, and it's just gonna sound silly at this point, but I really just feel like just go try it. Like I want to tell people to just give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> like do, do a little bit of research and like figure out some tools. There are some great resources. Civity has great resources, and there are a number of others out there as well um, that I would be happy to share. But the, that's what kind of put my toolkit together and I feel like armed with just a little bit of stuff go and try and see what happens and I think that the like the stories themselves what happens it's it really is just I don't know I feel like my my spirit in these moments just feels like it gets like a bucket of water poured on it and I just feel like it fills like there are so many times when I've been like wow I did not think that this was possible and yeah, and there's something about starting from an uncomfortable place. Like we put, we we are used to having political conversations with people that agree with us, and we're used to having friendships that are comfortable, and they they don't challenge us into those places that feel a little dangerous. And I think that there's something about starting in a dangerous and uncomfortable place that makes those moments of connection feel so like hard earned and so rich that. I mean, I've had so many times when I just have wanted to, like, when I felt in at the verge of tears and I just wanted to give a huge hug to the people I was arguing with because it's like, wow, we, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess those are the moments that are coming to mind is that, like, hey, we did it. We, we, we can make this happen. It's possible. And so, yeah, I just want to... I, I really encourage people to try. Mm. <laughs> I guarantee it will be painful and difficult and it will fail and explode and then good things will happen. <laughs> oh, I think that is a beautiful place to end our conversation together. We have been talking with Kim Roth Howe, founding principal of Co-Creative Labs, which designs and facilitates processes to help diverse groups build shared understanding, develop strategy, and design action. Kim also has a TED Talk called Searching for Purple in a Red-Blue Time, and she has committed herself to pulling people together in her community to discuss issues across difference. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to This Is Civity Radio. Civity helps people and communities build a culture of respect and empathy across difference. And our interviews explore how people across the country and the world are doing this in their communities. I'm Gina Valeria. Talk to you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 